cryptocurrency is a CGT asset. The normal principles of a CGT asset apply. If you go back to the basics of what is the asset that your clients are actually acquiring, what is the transaction that is taking place, what's the asset being created in its place, all those sort of things, and you can normally work through exactly what the CGT implications are. The biggest issue we find when we are doing these audits is people have not kept records, they can't recreate the records, and it causes all sorts of grief when they try and do their return. There can never be enough record keeping in this space. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 335 of Text Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. Cryptocurrency. More and more of your clients trade in cryptocurrency and hence you want to know how to tax this thing. And this is what Adam O'Grady, Assistant Commissioner of the ATO, will discuss with you in this episode. The first question to Adam O'Grady is, given that cryptocurrency is a CGT asset, What about foreign currency? Generally speaking, foreign currency is a currency in its own right and will be treated on revenue account or not on capital account. And that's why it was a big discussion how we treat cryptocurrency, whether we treat it as just like another foreign currency or whether we treat it as a CGT asset and then the ball fell into the field of the CGT asset. Yeah, that's right. And there's alternate views out there that suggest cryptocurrency is an alternate currency, which would put it onto revenue. But the AGO view is very firmly that it is a capital asset. And top of my head, it was around 2014, the office started, started looking at that and, and issued our first rulings on that. So I can imagine that the main factor, and maybe this is too much speculation for you, I can imagine that the main factor was that there's a chance for great losses and With the CGT asset, you kind of have a barrier how much losses can be claimed. Whereas if you made it on revenue, then you could have losses going against other income. Look, that's the practical implication of the decision. But I don't think that actually would have been a significant factor in the decision. In some respects, the ATO is agnostic on the revenue outcomes. And what I mean by that is the law is what it is and our role is to administer it. So if we had have had an alternate view, we would have no doubt predicted what the revenue impacts would have been of that and then it would have been a matter of for government to, to make a decision. But generally speaking, when we come up with those technical decisions, revenue is actually not, not the determinative factor. It would have been more looking at, okay, what is this thing called Bitcoin? What does it look like? What does it represent? What are the rights it gives you? All those sort of things. And then saying under the law, where which side of the fence that lands. If it's big losses, as we've seen in the market recently, then you know there might be some advantage, so to speak, in having it on revenue account. But on the flip side, where there's big gains, you also lose access to your CGT discount if you've held it for more than 12 months. So for those long-term investors as well. So there's There's always winners and losers, depending which side of the fence you put it on. So on paper, it sounds very straightforward. Cryptocurrency is a CGT asset. So you already hinted at it. You get the 50% CGT discount if you have held it for more than 12 months. So it's exactly the same like with shares. When you look at the actual asset, it's actually each coin that is a separate CGT asset, correct? Just like every share is a separate CGT asset. 
That's right. And with cryptocurrency, you can even have parts of coin or buy a part of a coin, not even necessarily a single coin. Effectively, each time your ownership changes in some way, that's a CGT event. The way I get people to try and think about it, if it's shares or property or or any other CGT asset, as soon as there's an ownership event, a change, whether it's in proportion or you get another asset as a result of it, you sell a portion of that asset or you give rights to someone over that asset, there's a CGT event there, which means there's a tax implication of it. Cryptocurrency is no different that each time there's some sort of ownership change, there's a CGT event. I think where cryptocurrency is difficult to understand is because it uses all these new and wonderful terms to describe how it happens in cryptocurrency land. But if you try and bring it back to basic CGT tax law, every time there's a CG or ownership change, there's a CGT event that you need to consider. Would you be able to give me a very simple explanation of what a staking pool and what a liquidity pool is? Really simply, what it is, is it's where you allow your cryptocurrency to be used by the system that you're in. So in some cryptocurrencies, whether it's proof of work or proof of stake, you allow your cryptocurrency to be used by the system to complete the blockchain. And then you're paid effectively a, I'll call it the equivalent of bank interest is the nearest I can sort of provide to you. So you allow them to use your coin to complete that chain. You get paid a reward. I see. And that reward would then be on income and not a CGT event, correct? So the ATO would like me to read the following in answer of the question of how staking rewards are treated for tax purposes. Staking rewards you receive are ordinary income. And you need to include the Australian dollar value of your staking rewards in your assessable income. The cost base of your staking rewards is their market value at the time you receive them. The same amount as you include in your assessable income. If you were to receive a staking reward on 15th of March 2020 with a market value of $5, you would include the $5 in your assessable income in your 2020 tax return and the cost base of the staking reward would be $5 as well. End of quote. So this is what the ATO would like me to read to you. So it all comes down to the market value of the reward at the time you receive it. That is your ordinary income. And then that is also your cost base. And so now back to the interview with Adam O'Grady. And I think I'm just about to ask another question now. And I just wanted quickly wanted to ask you about personal use assets. I understand that personal use assets are still a form of CGT asset. It's just that they're kind of a subclass and have a different set of rules attached to it. That's right. So personal use asset exemption basically says that if you make a gain on a personal use asset and it's less than $10,000, you can ignore that gain. And in addition, personal use asset, if it is a loss, a CGT loss, that is completely ignored as well. You can't you can't offset any CGT losses on a personal use asset. In the cryptocurrency world, if you're holding cryptocurrency for a period of time, it is unlikely to be a personal use asset. So even if you hold it for six months and then you use a card to access and buy coffee or lunch at a cafe using your digital currency, That doesn't turn it into a personal use asset. That alone can be a CDT event. It is more in the circumstances where you may purchase cryptocurrency, for example, this afternoon, 
with the intention of, of purchasing something online tomorrow or within a short time frame using that currency. And then within those parameters I talked about, the game can be ignored if it's less than $10,000. I won't name the car company, but, you know, they've, they've got made quite a reputation of being able to buy their cars using Bitcoin or what have you. So if you were to purchase a whole heap of Bitcoin and buy one of their cars on their web platform, you'd largely ignore that gain there. Crypto can either be a capital asset or a profit-making scheme or a business, correct? Under our view, cryptocurrency is a CGT asset. The tax treatment of that asset can change depending on exactly your circumstances. So for most individuals, like we've already talked about, or most entities, regardless of individuals, as primarily individuals, it's a CGT asset and the CGT rules apply to it. If you're in the business of cryptocurrency trading, so these would be like a cryptocurrency exchange or someone who provides a cryptocurrency ATM where you can exchange your coin for actual fair currency, those sort of businesses, then the cryptocurrency is actually trading stock. So the trading stock rules will come into it and then it actually largely gets treated on your, your revenue account for the whole purpose in that circumstance. The other circumstance where cryptocurrency is related to business is where the business accepts cryptocurrency or uses cryptocurrency to go about their other operations. So they're not a cryptocurrency business. And I talked about a cafe and, you know, you might go and buy a coffee using um, a fraction of a Bitcoin. Where the business accepts payment for good or services via Bitcoin, the value of that transaction in Australian dollars is still reported as normal income. So just because this Bitcoin doesn't change anything, you just need to convert it into the Australian Australian dollar value of that transaction, and that's reported through your normal income. And same if you, you happen to pay a supplier in Bitcoin as well, then you convert it into Australian dollars, and um, that becomes your deduction of that income as well. So the business then basically debits cash and credits, say it's, and then puts the one Bitcoin into their wallet. But on their books, it's basically as if they had received $50. That's right. They need to treat it as the Australian dollar value. Effectively, it's bartering is the closest thing. So, so you use a market value approach. Use the market value of that coin at the point of the transaction and it's effectively bartering or, or, or trading type arrangement is the way we view it in those circumstances. So they sold something and they received a Bitcoin and they put it into their wallet. And so they debit cash and credit sales of $150. Now they go and buy something else and the value of the Bitcoin has gone up now and it's $200. They received the one Bitcoin at the time of the transaction that was worth $150 is the, yes. the worth of that asset. When they go to dispose of that asset. Yeah, it's worth $200. It's worth $200, so there's there's a gain there that they've made on, on disposal. So that's income for them. And then, of course, the $200 or the equivalent of the market value of the coin when they used it to purchase the wood would become a deduction as per the normal rules as well. It's really just the shifting of assets, but recognizing the Australian dollar value at the time those transactions take place. Yes. So you wouldn't revalue the Bitcoin in, in the meantime. You would only recognize the gain at the time when you actually sell it. So basically at the CGT event. Yeah, that's right. And that applies not just for businesses, but for everyone. So there's a lot of, uh, I'll call it maybe misunderstanding that as the value of Bitcoin fluctuates up and down, we've seen, we're talking about Bitcoin, I use it a little bit interchangeably for all currencies. Where the, the currency fluctuates, that alone doesn't result in 
a gain or loss. It's only when you actually realise that gain or loss. But that includes any trade of your coin, including coin-to-coin trades and those sort of things, not just when you you potentially give it to a different person or you you move it into fair currency. Yes, that's that's right. You're not taxed on unrealized gains or losses. That's right. Now, the bit I find confusing is within the business, if it's used as a capital asset, then it makes sense. It's a capital asset like the factory hall or like the computers that are bought. So when it gets sold, you have a CGT event. That is clear. If they are trading in Bitcoin, then it's also clear because it's trading stock and then you have the Division 70 adjustment, etc. That's also clear. Where I struggle is this scenario we just discussed, where you use the Bitcoin to pay for an expense. So you you have $200 of, of an expense because you, you use the Bitcoin to pay for rent, for example. So you have debit rent $200. But then on the other side, you have a CGT event. Do you, do you see where I struggle? On one side, you have an expense and on the other side, you have a CGT event. Yeah. So the way I try and think through this is where I've received that coin to start with, I've actually received a CGT asset. That's actually what I've been paid in. It's a barter transaction. I've been given a CGT asset. The way I need to record the value of that transaction for tax purposes is by converting the value of the asset into Australian dollars, which is the 150 we talked about earlier. When I then dispose of that asset, there's a CGT event there. I need to realize whatever gains or losses I've, I've had, and that occurs at that point. So if I've made the $50 gain, there's a $50 gain for me to report in my income because the value of the asset I hold has gone up. Then the, the third transaction in the chain is to say, well, I've actually given that CGT asset across to this person to pay for the wood. At the time of disposal, to do that, it's a $200 gain. So it's $200, so that's my deduction component but I've actually realized a gain as well as part of it. So it sort of balances out in, in a weird sort of yes. way, but they be on different accounts. So in our example, you actually have four transactions. Yeah, and I think it's this doesn't happen very often, but if someone was paying you in shares for the coffee as well, they were going to give you mm, it will be um, exactly the company same. share. It, it, it's actually no, no different. different. Of course, the difference is I haven't seen too many coffee shops accepting shares for payment. Yes, or Bitcoin, not, or crypto. Yeah, it is a little bit different, it's a bit more common. People just need to think through both the revenue side impacts and the capital side impacts. I think the current system works because nobody uses really cryptocurrency at the moment to pay for anything. And so hence you don't have this mixture of CGT events and normal business transactions. But I think if crypto ever moved into um, an actual currency that you could buy things with it, then I can imagine it probably would have to change because I think it would just get too difficult to always have the two separate transactions. But that's just a glaze into the future. If you receive crypto as a gift, then you basically just as if you were given shares as a gift or if you make a gift of crypto, it's the same. You So where, where you, you gift crypto away, it's a disposal event. So there's a CGT, CGT disposal on that. So you, you buy it. For someone for a Christmas present, you dispose of it, there's a CGT event. Then you, you have to report your capital gain or, or loss, whatever the situation is. The person receiving the cryptocurrency is the recipient. It's the market value of the coin when you received it. 
So if the coin, use our early example, coin is worth $150 on the day you receive it, that's the cost base for the coin, and then there's no CGT event there. So this is in a true gifting situation. It's where you, again, dispose of the asset, there will be a CGT implication, whatever that is. Yes. And the same with inheritance. When you receive crypto through an inheritance, then you receive it with the cost base of the uh, deceased, correct? Because, of course, it wouldn't be a pre-CGT asset, because back in 1985, no. <laughs> there wasn't such a thing. No, so, so definitely no, no pre-CGT cryptocurrency that I'm aware of. That's right. So the normal inheritance sort of rules, rules apply as far as um, taking over that cost base with the rollover relief and what have you that would normally apply. A moment ago, you said crypto is always a CGT asset. It might just be treated differently if it's done within a business, for example, but it's always a CGT asset. And that is interesting because then it also means that inventory, for example, is a CGT asset. It's just treated differently. But in the end, anything you can touch, any asset is a CGT asset. Yes, yeah, certainly in this space. So that's the way way we view it. It is an asset. It's just if you meet that threshold for an for business. cryptocurrency business, then it becomes trading stock. It's treated slightly different. And as you say, it is trading stock in that circumstance. And I mean, that is, broadly speaking, that is in the minority of people trading in cryptocurrency. Most people are investors or they're using it within an existing business, not a true cryptocurrency business as we define it. Do you have a rough rule of thumb how much you would have to trade to be a trader as opposed to an investor? No, look, there's no no rule of thumb and there's no value that we place on it. There's no number of trades that you need to do or, or anything like that. The traditional rules of am I in business is really what applies here. And really what we look at is... Things like how often you, you trade, the value of your trade and the repetition of trade, that's an indicator of your intent, but it solely just because you hit a certain threshold doesn't put you over that. We look at how you've actually organized yourself. So what sort of capital have you put into the venture? What sort of expertise have you developed in, in that? What's your business plan and your profit-making plan to realize the profit? Like All those sort of factors come into whether you're in business or not. And then probably also whether you do it full-time. Yeah, so it's all the nature of that. It's a little bit like share trading. It's very similar. So to reach that threshold of being in business, it's all about yeah the scale of your activities and what you're doing. And it's more than just a normal passive investment or you, know, you finish work for the day, sit on the couch and get your computer out or your phone out even and, and start making a few trades on the market. It is bigger than that to be in that situation. There is lots of information on the website about am I in business and the sort of tests that people need to consider if they're thinking they're, they're close to reaching that threshold. So far, we only spoke about on capital or business, but we haven't spoken about profit-making scheme. To what extent do you see a profit-making scheme? When you say profit-making scheme, in what sense? As far you, as trading? You, or Yeah, you trade to make a profit, but it's not big enough that you can classify it as a, as a business. So as an investor, your your entire purpose is to make a profit. That's why you invest. If you're not in that cryptocurrency business, it, it is just a CGT asset that, that okay. you're trading. So there's no such thing as a profit-making scheme in the middle. Because with property development, there seems to be three buckets. One is capital, 
on the other end is business and in the middle is a profit-making scheme and profit-making scheme is basically when you do something one-off. For example, you subdivide your main residence to build two duplexes. That would neither be a business, it wouldn't be capital, it would be a profit-making scheme. Happy to be corrected, but we don't really see that in this market in, in that way. It's only unique, unique circumstances with it. So really for us, cryptocurrency is a CGT asset is the first assumption everyone should make. It's a CGT asset unless you meet that, that exemption of in the business of cryptocurrency trading. So if it's cryptocurrency, you only have two buckets. The big one is capital and the very small one is business. Very few people fit into the business bucket. Yep. In your notes, you mentioned CFDs. That's not very common, isn't it, that people do CFDs on crypto? It is in actually becoming increasingly more common. Oh, really? So what what we are starting to see, and it's maybe the fascinating thing with cryptocurrency and also the challenging thing, is it is evolving very, very quickly. So we do see CFDs on crypto and futures and all these sort of markets there. The big thing with all of these products is, again, you go back to those, those first principles of CGT and what's the actual asset that you're purchasing. So in the CFDs itself, you actually don't own the asset. You're really betting on market movements and they will go into your normal normal revenues, normal income in those, those circumstances because you actually don't own the underlying asset. And again, same with futures and options and, and all these other things. You just need to think about, do you actually own the asset or are you purchasing the right to, to the asset? So how is CFD text? So, so CFDs, whether on crypto or shares or really any other asset class, are always taxed on revenue account. Okay, good. And so if you make a loss with the CFD, which you most likely do, because that's why it's called contract for dummies. Um, no, it's really called contract for difference. But if you make a loss, then could you offset it against other income if you meet the commercial loss provisions because you don't actually it's not actually a business because the commercial loss provisions only really apply to business income but if you make a loss on a cfd it's not a business loss what is it so would it be normally just a normal loss that you you've incurred so effectively uh, ability to offset it against your other your other income so you can yeah so you, your normal non-commercial loss rules don't apply unless you're in business so if you've it, it is trade on revenue account so if you finish up with significant losses or losses that can come into your, your return as as a loss amount That's a fantastic outcome. If you make a loss on a CFD, which you most likely will, then at least you can offset it against your other income. Well, that's right. I mean, you've obviously lost some money. I probably wouldn't always classify it as fantastic, but that's right. It does yes. come into the, the tax equation. It's no, it's somewhat no different to a work-related expense. So you've had a loss or an outgoing to earn your income that you can claim and a loss on a CFD is effectively the same there. Any gain from a CFD just goes straight into your tax return. There is no discount. But at the same time, you can also offset any loss against other income. And luckily, the commercial loss provisions don't apply. If you are in a crypto business and you make a loss, then the commercial loss provisions do apply. Yeah, that's right. That's where being really clear on are you in business or not. And then if you are, you do reach that threshold, then there's different rules that apply to you both the non-commercial loss rules, but also these ABN requirements, there's GST reporting requirements, all those sort of things that you need to just consider if you do reach those thresholds. The ATO has data sharing arrangements with Australian exchanges. 
But I would think that most exchanges are not Australian exchanges. I would think that most exchanges are overseas and there are no data sharing arrangements. Cryptocurrency is a global asset. You can move cryptocurrency across borders and you can do it without a central bank being involved. We do have, obviously, exchange with Australian-based exchanges and most Australians do trade directly on an Australian-based exchange. So we do get those transactions to us. The other part is other jurisdictions can get hold, may have data collection with their exchanges in, in their own countries. The other source of information that we have available to us is where you're moving fiat currency to another jurisdiction. We do you get can see that report. Sorry, I was talking right over Adam there. Adam was saying there are Austrac reports. We also get reports through the common reporting standard across you know, hundreds of countries that actually show us details of accounts that people hold overseas. So there's sort of a misnomer that cryptocurrency is completely invisible to us. The other thing that people may be interested in is we are working, just one of the many jurisdictions working with the OECD at the moment, on how we incorporate cryptocurrency reporting into that common reporting standard as well. So while we don't have we don't have finite granular detail on overseas exchanges. We already have some pretty good detail given our, our international data sharing arrangements and more granular detail will be coming through the OECD reporting standard in the near future. So at the moment, the CIS, the Common Reporting Standards, do they already cover crypto, but just not in a uniform way yet, or they don't cover crypto yet? Largely speaking, it doesn't cover cryptocurrency as an asset class, and that's what the OECD work is underway now to actually look at how we incorporate that reporting going for cryptocurrency assets. And of course, you can see the fiat currency going overseas, so that would already be a, a red flag for you. I can imagine when you said most Australians trade on Australian exchanges, the reason is probably because they can then pay with Australian dollars. Because if they go onto an overseas crypto exchange, then they most likely will have to pay with US dollars. To be honest, I don't know what the driving force is. I think an element of it will be based on an Australian exchange. Does it leave to an element of safety or regulation there in trying to trust who it is you're dealing with as opposed to a random exchange the other side of the world, which you may not be able to, you know, you, you may not be able to trust that the, they are who they say they are. And that's actually a very good point because there have been these crypto scams where people invested into overseas exchanges and they were given wallet statements that, for example, they were owning 1,000 bitcoins because of the money they had transferred. But this exchange actually didn't exist. And of course, if you invest into an Australian exchange, then you're more protected from that. Yeah, generally speaking, you'd be more protected. But it is this is an area ripe for scams and I know our colleagues in ASIC regularly put out warnings for people, but it is really important to sort of make sure you understand who it is that you're, you're purchasing on. And even, even when you use different exchanges, being really clear, do you actually own the asset or is the asset still in the exchange's name and you're just sort of, sort of getting the statements for it? So, you know, if you can't sort of pick up and move that asset to your own wallet, whether or not you, you truly even own the asset. They're being really conscious of that and keeping all your records, not just for tax, but for your own, your own security of your asset there. When you invest in shares and you go to the pre report, it lists 
the trades. Of course, it doesn't list the capital gain because the ATO doesn't know what your cost base was, but it lists the trades. Does that already happen with crypto? We don't do that with cryptocurrency as yet. So we have been acquiring cryptocurrency data for a number of years, and we are getting better and better at it. At the moment, where we can see you've traded in cryptocurrency, we will give you a reminder message that says, hey, beware, we can see you've transacted in cryptocurrency this financial year, but we're not yet at the sophistication level of actually listing out each of your each of your trades and, and what that could look like. And again, the complexity with that, and I'll make a generalisation here, but Australian shares can only be traded in the ASX, so it's fairly fairly easy, whereas Contained. cryptocurrency can be traded through multiple exchanges. It can go from direct wallet to wallet. There's lots of tentacles to those trades where it's not as clean to provide that full picture of what all those transactions are. I think for accountants, one big challenge with crypto is not so much to understand the concept, because in the end, if you break it down to a normal CGT assets, we kind of get that. I think the challenge is just the volume of data. Yeah, no, I I do agree. I think prefer for you as a profession, but also for for the individuals investors as well. I think cryptocurrency has made it easier to do lots and lots of trades almost at the click of a button. If you've got you've got it on your your mobile phone, you can trade a hundred times a night potentially, really with clicks of a button sort of thing. What we strongly recommend to each individual is to actually set up a record-keeping system and there's there's apps out there that, that you can either purchase or download for your phone or your computer that tries to record all those transactions for you and what they mean, your profit and loss. Most exchanges give you some sort of transaction history statement or downloadable file of your transaction history. And while for the ATO, we, we strongly encourage that because you're going to need that come the end of the year, But if you're you, you've gone into this to actually invest and, and make money, it's sort of good common sense to actually be able to track all your transactions, what's happening, where you're making your money, where you're potentially losing money. The way it works is basically you download all the transactions from the exchange as a CSV file and then you upload it into an app like Coinly, but there are others. And then they basically give you a summarized report. So, for example, four Australian techs give you a summarized report of the capital gains and losses and 50% CGT discount you qualify for. And then, of course, it becomes easy again. Yeah, no, it, look, exactly right. And As I said, it doesn't really matter what app you use. There's a number of them out there. It can get pretty messy for you. I was just going to say, the other thing, no matter how you choose to record your transactions, is not only to consider the actual transactions and the value of the transactions, but any of the other elements of the cost base as well. So the fees that you might be charged for trading, making sure you understand that. If there's any other fees and charges that are involved in holding your, your crypto assets, or the CGT asset, that all comes into calculation in the final gain as well. People over overlook that. Yes, I'm actually glad that you touch on that. Those trading fees, you can't expense those as you incur them. They have to go into the cost base? Generally speaking, they'll be on the cost base because there's no, no income at the time of that. It's a little bit like when you borrow money as well, if you choose to borrow money to invest in cryptocurrency, because there's actually no income being generated from the asset, 
that would form part of your cost base as well, the interest expense. If you borrow to buy shares, then you can tax deduct the interest because the shares pay you a dividend, but the cryptocurrency doesn't pay you any income unless you do, you know, this staking pool or liquidity pool that we discussed before. But if you don't do that, then the crypto doesn't give you any income and hence the interest goes into a cost base. And that, of course, makes it more complicated again. You listed all those costs in your comments. So brokerage fees, transfer costs, platform costs, borrowing expenses, it all goes into the cost base. Isn't crypto anonymous? So when you go into the wallet, isn't it there's just a key? And even if you lose that key, then you have lost the crypto. So isn't it completely anonymous? So how do you know if somebody trades or doesn't trade? There is ways of tracking cryptocurrencies. So I mentioned before, through Australian exchanges, we get the identities of the individuals or the entities involved. So, so we see that through their requirements of knowing their client. So we do get that information. Wallet to wallet exchanges can be more difficult to unpack and, and sort of follow the, those trains through. But as I, as I mentioned earlier, we've got other reporting regimes where If you've got cryptocurrency and you move it into, whether it's a fiat currency or you make a purchase or, or those sort of things, we can collect and see some of that data as well. So there's, like anything, there's probably, there's things that the ATO doesn't always see everything, but I think there's a misnomer out there that you can purchase cryptocurrency and be completely hidden from the system. And the reality is that's just not, not quite true. There might be pockets of it, but generally speaking, we can see who owns that cryptocurrency, what trades they've had, all those sort of things. There are a lot of crypto schemes out there. And if you fall prey to one and you lose a lot of money, can you at least tax deduct those losses against your other income? So if you lose your crypto coin, when I say lose, whether it's a scam or the, your private key is stolen from you, you lose your private key, you can't recover it those sort of things. It is still a CGT event. So it's effectively destruction of an asset is, is what it comes down to. So it's not an immediate deduction. How you would account for it is that the proceeds from the disposal become zero. So it's whatever you purchase the coin for and you take away your, your disposal, which is zero. And then effectively what you purchased it for is your capital loss. So obviously capital loss is quarantined against other capital gains. And the other important point here is the cost base is the value of the coin that you acquired it for, not the value of the coin when you potentially lost it. So if you purchase a Bitcoin for $10 and it's $1,000, when you lose it, the cost base is still $10. Um, and that is the loss that you, the capital loss that you, you report. So if you pay $10 for it and it is now worth a million and you lose the private key, then you don't have a capital loss of a million. You only have a capital loss of $10. That's right. Good. But that can also work in your favor if the value goes down. Exactly right. But then you have the loss anyway, whether you, you lose you, the you key or lost, not. Whether you've realized it or not, you've still lost your, you've still lost your money along the way. That's right. Yes. When you look overseas, are we quite different or are we kind of quite similar to the rest of the world in the way we treat cryptocurrency? My understanding is that we are quite similar to how everybody else is doing it. Yeah, look, a broad statement, internationally, very, very similar tax treatment. So cryptocurrency in most countries is considered a CGT asset and CGT or, or their equivalents do apply. Now, in some countries, while it might be a capital asset, they might not even have a CGT 
taxing regime or they have quite high thresholds, which means that the tax isn't levied. But broadly speaking, we, we do treat them in a similar way as an asset right across the globe. Obviously, every tax system's got its own unique little ways of dealing with that. Is there an amnesty on crypto reporting? Because I can imagine that there are quite a few people who are kind of nervous. Do you remember how you had an amnesty on foreign income? You know, for years you could kind of have assets and income overseas and the ATO didn't know about it and then that changed and so you did an amnesty. Is there something similar for crypto? No, so we don't, we're not operating an amnesty for cryptocurrency. A lot of what we've been doing recently is trying to educate people about their tax obligations. So really trying to remind people, hey, if you're trading in cryptocurrency, there is tax obligations as part of that. We are increasing our compliance activity in this space. So as we've got that data in and we understand it better, we are starting to increase our audits of people who we believe have omitted their gains and income from cryptocurrency. But having said that, We do in the ATO, and, and whether it's with cryptocurrency or any admission, where people sort of discover or realise they've made an error, we'd strongly recommend you come and voluntarily disclose it to us. So really coming to us and say, look, I heard the podcast, and I realise all this crypto gain I haven't reported. Being upfront with us and we can look at the circumstances and, and obviously amend the returns to ensure your tax is correct. But in those circumstances, we generally don't penalise people either. Because you, you've recognised a mistake yourself, you've come forward, you've disclosed it, and we've dealt with it. It's a slightly different scenario if we finish up having to audit you and then we discover the omitted gains. And that's where we're more likely to penalise the admission and in addition to the tax that you owe, um, potentially be, be up for penalties as well. I think my final, final message to everyone, which was said a few times, is cryptocurrency is a CGT asset. The normal principles of a CGT asset apply. The language is different and things move a little bit quicker in the cryptocurrency world than traditional assets. But if you go back to the basics of what is the asset that your clients are actually acquiring? What is the transaction that is taking place? What's the asset being created in its place? All those sort of things. And you can normally work through exactly what the CGT implications are. Finally, my biggest thing for everyone listening, when talking to your clients that are in this market, it is record keeping. The biggest issue we find when we are doing these audits is people have not kept records, they can't recreate the records, and it causes all sorts of grief when they try and do their return. There can never be enough record keeping in this space for yourself. Welcome back. So crypto is a CGT asset and the normal CGT rules apply unless you are a trader. And if you are a trader, if you run a crypto business, then your trades are on income and the coins in your wallets are trading stock. And if you trade crypto movements through CFDs, then it doesn't matter whether you're an investor or a trader. Any loss of profit from these CFDs will hit your tax return as income without any buffers or hurdles. So that is the tax treatment. The challenge is the record keeping. If you have a lot of trades coming in and out of the wallet, it can be a real challenge to work out the CGT treatment or the income tax implications. But there are softwares to help us with that. So let's talk about those very soon. 
in the next episode on Monday, episode 336, let's talk with Harrison Dell of Kadena Legal in Sydney, who is an Australian tax lawyer with a special focus on crypto. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.